Welcome to One Cause Church. Here is another inspirational message from Senior Pastor Eric Holler. So we are beginning a new series tonight called For the Record. For the Record. What we are doing is, uh, in the words of my friend Brian, we are debunking biblical myth understandings. Thank you for that, my friend. Myth understandings. Yes, we are. And these are common beliefs about the Bible and about God that just aren't true. <laughs> so we're going to walk through several of those things. And, and, I, and I thought it was so appropriate tonight that you said, Lord, stretch us. Yeah. Because when we look at the Scriptures, and then sometimes we look at our own experience, our own way of thinking, we realize these things aren't lining up. My life doesn't look like this, or I have not been thinking about God like the Bible's been teaching me to think about God. And that's when you have to decide either you're going to stay stuck in your way or you're going to believe the Scriptures. I don't know about you, but I decided I'm going to believe the Word of God. I'm go- whether I like it or not, listen to me. It's, it's not always fun. What the, Mark Twain said, it's, it's not the, the, the scriptures that I don't understand that bother me. It's the ones that I do understand that often bother me, <laughs> right? Because it gets all up in your life, right? And the Bible is so honest. And when you look into it, James calls it a mirror. And the mirror is so painfully, painfully honest at times, especially the older you get. And when you look at the scriptures and you see what life can be and what you, who you really are and what your life should look like, sometimes that can be a painful thing. Because sometimes we see, we see the difference rather than the similarities too often. And it's going to take faith for us to really live in the reality of God's promises. It's going to take faith. And it's going to take a decision to surrender to what His Word says, no matter what you've thought about it before or what others have taught you. Christian maturity, and you've heard me say this, and you'll continue to hear me say this, you really begin to mature when you stop arguing with God. When you stop arguing with what the Word says and just decide you're going to believe it. Amen. Amen. So, um, the first thing I want to talk about is the common phrase or common thing said, God knows everything. And I want to tell you tonight, that is a myth. Are you ready? Yeah. Y'all got quiet too quick. Come on now. Y'all already feeling that? Feeling that? Stretch. Come on. Stretch. Come on. Just do it. Do it with me. Humor me. Stretch tonight. Come on, stretch. Yeah. God, listen to me. I want to say this tonight. We're going to look at some scriptures that help us understand not that God knows everything, but God chooses not to know everything. This is not about God's ability to know everything, because he can do whatever he wants to. But he has made a decision about knowledge that is extraordinary, that the word teaches us. I want you to take your Bible and turn to Genesis chapter 22. The book of Genesis, chapter 22, and verse 10. Genesis 22, 
verse 10, and Abraham stretched, look at there, stretched. And Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. Why? Because God told him to do it. God told him to go up on that mountain and offer up his promised son, his only son, as a burnt uh, offering to him. So Abraham did that very thing. He was ready to fully go through with it. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. So he said, here I am. And he said, do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him, for now I know that you fear God. Did you catch that? God told him, now I know Based upon Abraham's decision, God was waiting for some knowledge about Abraham based upon what Abraham would choose to do. That's, a, that's amazing to me. Even though God can know, yet he also has, has established a law from the very beginning. And that law is that men would have the right to choose. Oh, this is awesome. So God confirmed what he thought about Abraham. Testing Abraham enabled God then to say, now I know. See, God limits his own attributes to conform his plan for free moral agents. This doesn't mean that he can't know, as I've said before. This does not mean that he can't know, but that he chooses to respect yours and my choices. So God does not plan man's choices or actions, but he does hold him responsible for those choices. Once you choose it, there is a consequence to that choice, good or bad, right? That's why the scripture says, I lay before you death and life. Choose. Matter of fact, choose life. I want to give you a big hint, a subtle hint. Choose life. Okay? But he says, there it is. But it's your choice to have. You can have death by your choice. You can have life by your choice. It's an awesome thing. So I think it's even, it even speaks greater of God's ability and God's power to know, to be able to know everything and yet have the ability to not know everything by his choice. It's an extraordinary thing. Now I know. I'm watching you, Abraham, testing. I want to see if what I think is going to happen, I believe is going to happen, but I'm waiting for your choice. I'm waiting for you to decide. So that'll tell me what kind of knowledge. Uh, watch this. Now, let's go over to um, uh, Genesis 18. So what I'm saying is it's not as simple as just saying, well, God knows everything. He knows all that he chooses to know. All right? God chose by giving us this gift of choice to acquire certain knowledge based upon those choices. So when you choose to believe the gospel, or when you chose to believe the gospel, God chose to no longer, wow, God chose no longer to know you sinned. Even though he, was, he very much knew that you did, yet the moment you believed, you became the righteousness of God in Christ, recreated, reborn, God no longer had knowledge of sin. Wow. It was waiting, he was waiting on you to choose to believe and then he got new knowledge or no knowledge. Amen. So God doesn't know everything because he chooses that. 
He doesn't know you ever sinned. Think about it. He said, I will take your, your sins and I will throw them, cast them as far as the east is from the west, and remember them no more. I will no longer have knowledge of it. That's glorious. Don't you wish that you, you could do that? Hmm? I think marriages would go a lot smoother if we could really forget what they did to us or what they said to us, right? Because in the heat of the moment, many times those old things come right back up. But God, aren't you grateful that he doesn't, aren't you grateful that he doesn't get angry with you now and says, you always do that. I knew you were going to do that. Right? But we think like that about God sometimes. Right? When you come to him and you want to talk to him and, and, and ask him to help you and, and, and sometimes if it's, how many of you ever sinned the same sin at least twice? Huh? <laughs> right? And you feel like going to God, it's just like a beating, right? Like, oh, he already knows I'm coming. <sighs> and you feel like he's thinking, yeah, here you go again. Because that's how we think. That's not how God thinks. He doesn't know you according to sin. He knows you according to Jesus. John says, I write these things to you that you may not sin. Let me just say this for just a moment. I know this is a little off subject, but he said, I write these things to you that you may not sin. You know what that tells us, ladies and gentlemen? You may not sin. You don't have to sin. I sin every day. You don't have to sin every day. You choose that. You're not a victim to it. You're not a sinner saved by grace. You're saved by grace. Hallelujah. You were a sinner, but now you're saved by grace. Glory to God. So you don't have to sin. It's possible not to sin. Let me ease your mind. I'm not saying it's probable. I'm saying it's possible. All right? John says, I write these things so that you may not sin. That tells me something about the Word of God. You get full of the word, I think the sin problem just takes care of itself. That you may not sin, but if anyone does sin, that's good news, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. That's why I'm saying God sees you not according to sin, but according to Jesus. According to that advocate that is seated, that man that is seated at his right hand. The God-man. He knows all. He chooses to know. Glory to God. So this freedom, you know what? That freedom of choice is, is, is true freedom. Yeah. Amen. But as I said, choice also bears the burden of responsibility. This band of theologians known as Rush said it like this. You can choose a ready guide in some celestial voice. If you choose not to decide, you still have made a choice. You can choose from phantom fears and kindness that can kill. I will choose a path that's clear. I will choose free will. Okay, all right. So here's the thing. Though we know that the scripture does say God knows all things. As a matter of fact, let's go, let's go over to the scripture. 1 John chapter 3, verse 20. I will choose free will. I've had that song in my head all day. I don't know why. Oh, yeah, because I was talking about free will. For our heart, if our heart, 1 John chapter 3, verse 20, 
For if our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and knows all things. Did you see that? All right, you catch that? God knows all things. God knows all, okay, now let's go to 1 John chapter 2, verse 20. But you have an anointing. 1 John chapter 2, verse 20. But you have an anointing. You have an anointing. But you have an anointing from the Holy One. Guess what? And you know all things. I don't know all things. The Bible says you do. Oh. It says God knows all things and you know all things. Isn't that interesting? So he chooses to know what he wants to know. That's glorious. Now, I want to um, talk about another common phrase that is said. Are you ready for this? God is in control. Well, God is in control. You guys remember Scott Boney? He'll be here in April. On a, I, I'm going to have him preach on a Wednesday night. But, uh, but he, uh, <laughs> when I first moved, Heather and I first moved to McKinney, Scott and I were working together. And uh, I don't know if you remember, some of you have been here quite a few years, remember uh, Hastings? It's now Tuesday morning, I think. Is that right? So it was Hastings. And when I moved here, Hastings was actually closing down. So they had this going out of business sale, and Scott and I were hired to help work that, right? Making like a whole $6 an hour. It was awesome. And that's when I began to wonder, why am I here? I had a job with a salary out in West Texas. I didn't come here to make $6 an hour. But God is in control. <laughs> so Scott had this pickup, this poor pickup, had just been through hell and back. And he had the front hood of his Ford pickup smashed in. And then he had a, a bungee cord that held that, that hood down. This thing was just, and then it had dents all along the side. And on the back, he had a bumper sticker. <laughs> Don't worry, God is in control. I'm like, if God is in control of that pickup, <laughs> bro, this is not good. This is not a good testimony to God being in control. That's not the picture I see. Don't worry. God is in control. Okay. Let me, let me help clarify that. Let's make that make a little more sense. God is in control, but God is not controlling everything. All right? God is in control, but God is not controlling everything. Let's just look at planet Earth for a moment, ladies and gentlemen. Huh? Turn on the news and you'll see how out of control things are. All right? Wherever God is fully in control of things, there is order. He is a God of order. He is a God of peace. All right? That's what the scripture teaches us. So we, uh, we understand that that's why Jesus said we need, this is, our, this is our responsibility as his sons on the earth to see his will be done on earth as. So what we're seeing here is not the pattern. Heaven is the pattern. Why is heaven the pattern? Because that's where God is in control. 
all right? Forever, O Lord, your word is established or settled in heaven. That's what Psalm 119.89 says. Forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. doesn't say it's settled on the earth. It gets settled on the earth when you get it in your heart and get it in your mouth and declare it here on the earth so that we can have heaven on earth, so that we can have God control here. But it's not going to happen because he has put you and I in control here. With that choice, let's go to Genesis chapter 1 again and see the very beginning of this thought. God is in control, but he's not controlling everything. Genesis chapter 1, very familiar passage of Scripture, verse 26. Genesis chapter 1 and verse 26 says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all, did you see this? Watch this, over all the earth. So who did God give control to? We just don't want to take responsibility for it. We like to say stuff like, well, God's in control. No, he's not. You're in control. Hello. He put you in control. You've got to take responsibility for it. And over every creeping thing that creeps on, I thank God that we've got control over the creeps. <laughs> then God, let us make men around. Okay, so we, in other words, let's make people like us. And let's let them act like us. Let's put them in control. Let them choose. Let them build. Let them do something. So God gave Adam and Eve all the authority over all the earth. Now, it was all from God. We understand that, right? He's the beginning of all of it. But he did delegate that to us. All right? But it wasn't that much longer later when Adam decided he would just give it over to the devil. Right? So I need three volunteers up here for just a moment. Trace Volunteros. Can I have some keys? Adam, Satan, Jesus. Okay. Adam, Satan, Jesus. In the beginning, when God said this, when God said, what do keys represent? Authority to what? Open doors. Access, right? This means I have access. Some guys like to show all the authority they have. The big key ring. I got authority. Is that you, Crystal? <laughs> you know, y'all know Crystal what an egomaniac she is, right? <laughs> Total, totally kidding. She's far from that. So God says, "Let us make, let them have dominion over. They got the keys to everything, right?" And then Adam acted like Osama bin Laden and hid behind his wife when the enemy came. <laughs> he deceived Eve. She turned Adam, gave him the fruit, and they in turn gave the devil the authority. Yeah! I got it now. <laughs> He's a good devil, isn't he? So now the enemy has the authority because man gave it to him. Not because he stole it. Are you hearing me? But because man stole the fruit which belonged to God, and in turn believed the devil's word over God's word. 
because the devil said, you will not surely die. God knows. God's holding out on you. He knows the day you eat of that tree, you're going to be just like him. Hey, fact was, they were already just like him. We just read, we were made in his image, after his likeness. But the devil made her think something else, right? So they believed that word. She was deceived, believed the word, and Adam then stole the fruit. And then, therefore, they gave the authority over to the enemy. That's why we see some strange things in the Scriptures. One of those strange stories is, I wish Hollywood would do these stories right. It would just be awesome. But do but you remember when, when the prophet Samuel died? And so then Saul didn't know what to do. And, and so they, I think they were in battle with the Philistines at this time. And so he goes and see this witch or this soothsayer at a place called Endor, the witch at Endor. Isn't that? Yeah, well, yeah, Star Wars or, 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 or Lord of the Rings something, right? The witch at Endor. So he, he goes and, and, and they, she does this seance, right? And all of a sudden, she calls up Samuel's spirit. And guess what? His spirit comes up. And he has this conversation with Saul and says, what have you done? And Saul said, I'm desperate. I, I needed to talk to you. You weren't here, so this witch brought you up. How's it going down there? No, he said, because you've done this, today you and your son are going to die in battle. And they did. They perished that day in that battle. How did she have the authority to call up a righteous soul? Because man gave all the authority over to the enemy. Therefore, he had the keys to death, hell, and the grave. So, but God, thank God, by his mercy and grace, would not leave us that way. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested to destroy the works of the devil. So Jesus came, he bruised the head of the seed of the serpent, and the, the devil lost that authority. Jesus took it back, ransoming mankind by his blood, took it back, and then, and then, and then, he said, okay, man, all authority is given to me in heaven and earth, therefore, go. Now you have that authority. And he put it back in man's hand again. And that authority is called the church. That authority is called the church of the living God. You're part of that. All right? Thank you guys. You're awesome. But the church, listen to me, the church has to take responsibility for that authority and stop acting like and saying, well, God's in control. We don't understand the ways of God. They're past finding out, too mysterious and too... No, shut up. Yeah, they were at one time, but Paul said that mystery that was hidden to the, through the ages has now been revealed. Hallelujah. No eye has seen, no ear has heard. Nor is entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them. But yeah, you got to read one more verse, though. One more verse. That used to be the case, but now the Scripture says, but God has revealed them to us by His Spirit. 
that which was once concealed has now been revealed. Yeah, we got to take responsibility and be the church that God's called us to be in. Take our rightful place, take our authority here, and take control. We are his body in the earth, all right? So you got to understand who you are so that you can know what to do. God is in control, but he is not controlling everything. Jesus showed us this in John chapter 10, verse 10. Remember what he said? The thief comes not but to steal, kill, and destroy. And he said, I have come that you may have life and have more abundantly. What he just taught us was we're not on the same team. The devil's bad and God is good. So Jesus then came to destroy. So if all of that was God's will, think about it. Well, God's in control. He knows what's going on. If, if Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil, which was being orchestrated by God because God's in control of all that, then that's a kingdom divided against itself. That can't stand. The devil is your real enemy. God is really on your side. All right? And we have to keep that very clear so as to not accuse God of the things that the devil is doing. If God is in control of everything, think about this for just a moment. Where does the devil get any credit? Where, what is his part in this thing if God's in control of everything? No, they're enemies. The devil rebelled, left heaven, left, took a third of the angels with him, so they've been at war ever since. All right? And you and I are here to help get Jesus, <laughs> help get Jesus his reward for what he paid for with his own blood. God can know everything, but he chooses not to know everything. I want to go to one more place before we shut down tonight. Uh, I want to go back to that thought for just a moment about God knowing everything, about God being in control. John chapter 2. John chapter 2. And uh, we'll start in verse 1. Just follow me here, Alex. John chapter 2, verse 1, on the third day there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Now both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding, and when they ran out of wine, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. Jesus said to her, woman, what does your concern have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. Is this true? Is Jesus, is what Jesus is saying is true? My hour has not yet come. That is, it's not time for me to step into this miracle doing these miracles. It's, the time's not yet. I haven't heard the Father say yes. So my hour's not yet come. All right, watch. His mother said to the servants, whatever he says to you, do it. Now there were six water pots of stone, according to the manner of purification of the Jews, containing 20 or 30 gallons apiece. So we have at least 120 gallons. Jesus said to them, look, fill the water pots with water. Something happened, didn't it? Something marvelous happened. Jesus said, it's not my hour. And then she says, whatever he says, you do it. And he says, well, I guess it's my hour. So fill the water pots. What happened? What happened right there? Huh? She took her rightful place of authority here on the earth and acted like him in the earth. 
And he submitted to that. He submitted to that. Because he honors that. I love that. Whatever he says to you, do it. You can almost just stand there, see her stand there and fold her arms. Okay. I like that. Huh? It's glorious. And so they, 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 did, they, they had the wine. So I want to encourage you tonight, listen to me. You are the one that is in control of your situation. When you invite God into your situation, right, you really are inviting him when you are taking control because you're acting like him, all right? I'm not talking about, I'm not talking to you husband saying, all right, woman, you heard him. All right, don't go abuse what I'm saying tonight. I'm talking about getting his word established in your life and in this earth, all right? Taking your rightful authority, your rightful place in the name that is above every name, the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, he has given it to you. But you're going to have to take that authority. You're going to have to take responsibility for your choices and take control, all right? We got to stop with this, these vagaries about God, all right? And just kind of stand back in the shadows and come up with cute little religious sayings to help us feel a little better so that we can kind of numb over the fact that we've not taken responsibility for our, our choices. Hmm? Well, God's in control. Well, God knows everything happens for a reason. Yeah, most of, it, most of those reasons are because people make dumb choices. That's why. All right? There's not some mystical, cosmic thing going on here that we just don't understand that's controlling all of us, this thing called fate. No such thing. But some people are raised and they believe that they are born with the, with the cards, with the deck stacked against them. They believe that that's their lot in life. That's, but you see people who are born in obscurity, born very poor, who come out of that very thing. Why? Because they chose to. They chose not to believe that it was fate and this is just my lot in life. No, they made choices to get them out of that. And we have to take responsibility for our choices. Amen. And God expects us to bear the burden of the responsibility for the choices that we make. But he gives you the freedom to choose. Every day, this is the glorious thing, every day you get to choose what you do. All right. And, and, and the product of our life, the sum total of where we are right now, is made up mostly of the choices that we've made. You might not like that because you might not like the situation you're in, but listen, hey, just take responsibility and say, all right, I'm making new choices. All right, you can make new choices and get new consequences. Today that can start. When I've talked to my kids, one of the things I've raised them in doing, they've, you know, made dumb choices, and I, you know, that's hard to believe, I know, but... Once or twice in their life growing up, they've, they've made a dumb mistake or two. But I, I ask them this. When, we're, when it's all said and done, I ask them, what's your next choice? Let's hear it. What's, your next, what's the next choice? What's the next choice? Say it. You don't want to say it? Say it. The right one. Say it again. The right one. Yeah, the next choice is the right one. What, what about the one after that? The right one. The right one. Next choice. Next choice. Where do you, you see yourself where you want to be? Well, it's going to take a series of choices to get there. All right? Make the right ones. So God has given us, and, and it's a great responsibility, but it's also a great privilege. 
So, Father, we thank you for that. We thank you, Lord. Thank you that you do not remember our sins, that you don't know that we sin. You choose, you choose not to have the knowledge of that, but you see us in Christ and Christ in us. Thank you for that. We understand that though you could easily know everything, yet you choose. You choose to get involved in our lives and to acquire knowledge by the choices that we make. And Lord, we pray that we will make the right choices by your grace and by your help. And we know that your word is a guide for us to be able to choose right, what to choose. And we have your spirit in us, as John said, as we said earlier, because we have him in us, we know all things. In other words, if we'll just listen to him, we'll always choose the right thing. He will guide us into all truth. And Father, that we would take control where you have given us control. And where you have not, that we would not take it. But we would partner with you, Lord. As you have established your word in heaven, so we will we get it established here in our own lives, our families, and wherever we go in this earth. It is our responsibility. It is our privilege and responsibility to be you in this earth. That's what your scripture says. As you are, so are we in this world. Lord, I thank you for blessing all these that are here tonight under the sound of my voice. Thank you, Lord, for your great grace upon them. Thank you, Lord, for teaching us by your word. And, Lord, where we have, where we have been wrong, Lord, in, in the way we've thought, Lord, where we've not taken responsibility, we just thank you that you have grace for us now to pick up and move forward, to believe the truth and to receive the truth, and therefore to live in that truth. In the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the message. For more information about One Cause Church, please visit us online at onecausechurch.com.